You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 136 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. This episode is called Answers. And that is because you are about to get some. You see, there are some eternal questions that any sane person at one point asks themselves in their lives. I will answer all these important questions in this episode. So strap in and get ready to be enlightened. <laughs> but but wait, wait one goddamn minute. Uh, be very careful listening to what I'm about to say. And to take my answers as the ultimate truth is something you should be careful about. Because I do not and will not claim them to be the ultimate truth. The answers I'm about to give are the answers that I am satisfied with myself, nothing more. I share these answers to inspire you to either agree with me or to think about the perspectives I have and then perhaps from this you can form your own answers to these timeless questions. You might also utterly disagree with me, which is fine, as long as you are thinking because these questions need to be considered by any sane person. So what are these eternal questions I keep referring to? The ones that I consider belonging to this group of questions are as follows. 1. What is the meaning of life? 2. Is there a God? 3. What happens when we die? 4. Where are we and why are we? 5. Are we alone in the universe? 6. What is truth? And 7. Who am I? So let's start with the easy one. (laughs) What is the meaning of life? Answer, death. If a flower never withered, its fleeting beauty would not be enjoyed. Most of the time when people ask this question, they usually confuse it with another question that is completely individual. What gives life meaning? Generally, this could be love, but really it can be anything that we enjoy or love to do. Some people cannot live without music, others without nature, others without traveling, and others without friends. What we fill our time in this physical realm with, and what of these things gives us joy, are very individual and cannot be answered by me. However, what is the meaning of life? Well, it is death. If we would not die in this physical existence, then what would be the point? This is why I find those alchemists seeking immortality to be so funny. Why would they try and destroy the very meaning of being alive? Which is that it ends. Death is not morbid to think, write, talk or sing about. It is instead vitally important Because ignorance equals fear, and fear creates the living dead. In the Gospel of Philip, the Gnostic Gospel of Philip, it's advised that those who say they will die first and then rise are in error. If they do not first receive the resurrection while they live, when they die, 
they will receive nothing. Most people are born dead and die in that very same state. This is nothing but a wasted existence. Those people are but flowers that spring from a seed into a pile of dried up petals. A man that blooms is a man or woman that questions their own existence and after doing so act upon what they've discovered and thereby growing into a more complete being. Ancient Greek playwriter Euripides wrote that death is a debt we all must pay. And if that's the case then there can be no time for atrophy. Now is of the essence. There is no chance of ever knowing when that fatal moment comes. That is why I enjoy taking strolls in cemeteries. Who can say that they have not been drawn to them, even if it's from fear to secretly look death in the face or from other reasons? Because that's what it is, a necropolis, a city of the dead, where all the citizens lie beneath the ground eaten by worms And above them looms a stone, an epitaph, that cries out, I was here once. What hopes lies buried with me? What things will I leave undone? What dreams will I not dare to have dreamt? Whatever it is I have to face, I have to face it now before I'm required to take residence amongst the dead. A seed becomes a flower that blooms before it withers, and you should follow its example. In that sense, death gives life meaning. The meaning of life is death. I hope my explanation has been clear. If we take video games as an allegory, have you ever played one where you get a cheat code that makes you immortal, gives you infinite money, infinite weapons, whatever? I don't know about you, but the game becomes boring very fast. Uh, Without death, what is the point of living? Exactly. Next question. Is there a God? Answer. Yes. The scientific community claim that everything we have in the world now is a result of evolution. The religious community claim that everything we have in the world now is a result of intelligent design. But the truth of the matter is that the intelligent design, God if you will, he was so smart, or she or it, was so smart that instead of wasting time to create every little thing, God instead invented evolution. So scientific communities and religious communities are both right in a sense. There is a divine algorithm that runs the entire universe. This also explains the conundrum known as theodicy, which means which is a conundrum that means how can there be a god when there's so much evil? That is because an algorithm does not create or prevent good or evil. It is simply a code that holds everything together. It does not judge. There is no real evil if we see our lives in two parts. One part is the physical life, full of pain and sorrow and joy and heartbreak and happiness. The second part is the eternal, everlasting being of light that we truly are. In this second version of existence, there is no evil. 
nor do we suffer from any evil that has been done to us. So in a sense, evil is illusionary. It feels very bad and very real now in this physical existence here on, here on Earth. But later, when we have crossed over to the other side, when we will instantly know that whatever evil we experienced or committed was only a small pimple in a vast infinite cosmos of light and love. As a recovering atheist, I can say with certainty that there is a divine mystery. It's not a man or woman. It does not belong to a particular religion. God is all gods. All religions are correct. All religions are wrong. And they are wrong that they are the right religion. How do I know this? Well, most religions these days are no more than about two to 3,000 years old, max. Earth and human beings are far older than that. So why would God start being present so late in our journey towards the intergalactic future? God was present at the dawn of time, way back before we even had a language to invent a a word that would describe a religion. That is why I feel so connected with the origin religion of the world, what the white man calls shamanism. Here's a short Terence McKenna bit. Shamanism, as probably most of you know, is the worldwide paleolithic religion of ecstasis and magical curing that is how religion was practiced for the first million years before weasels got hold of it uh, and substituted dogma for experience. I mean, that's the real difference uh, between shamanism and other religious enterprises is there is no such thing as shamanic theology. Shamanism is experience. And I, for a long time, found that the most satisfying model. It's a, even though shamanism is archaic, in a sense, that's a, a, almost a science fiction model. Because what the shamanic model is saying is that uh, there is a parallel universe or universes of some sort and that you can, by ascending some kind of cosmic axis, it differs from culture to culture, it's like an elevator in reality and you discover there are these different planes you can visit and uh, acquire power and cut deals and become a curer and transcend cultural limitation. I cannot prove that God exists. Why do I need to prove what I have seen, encountered, been connected directly to? I do not believe in God. I do not need to believe in what I have experienced. I prefer to call God the divine mystery. In the Gospel of Judas, there is another name that I like, the enlightened divine self-generated. But... It doesn't really matter what you call it. It is. I want to finish this answer to the question if there is a God or as I would say if there is a divine mystery uh, with a poem I wrote called Praise to the Divine Mystery. I will never know your name but you do not need one. You are not a you, perhaps not even an I. From the perspective of me, 
and stripped of all titles, left is only grace and a divine mystery. I see that when I experience your presence. In an old tree, in a leaf decaying on the ground, in the ocean, in the microbe. I see it in my reflection. It is the sparkle in all our eyes. In the sky, deep in space. All the stars in all our hearts. There is a grace. There is a divinity that cannot be understood with language. These words are a poor attempt. It can only be experienced. And even then it is still what it always will be. A divine mystery. But it need not be understood. We do not know why we dream. But we do. We do not know why we love. But we do. When you open your eyes you see. But you can see with eyes closed. Can you stop listening? Your ears are always receiving. And breathing. You do it till you do not. And then this life is finished. All these things we do not fully comprehend, but we take pleasure regardless. The divine mystery is the same. It is there regardless of our understanding, regardless if we take notice or not. But I like to think that a life where you allow to see, to hear, to feel, and to wonder about the divine mystery, well, that is a life more complete. The next question I would like to answer is as follows. What happens when we die? Answer. We return. Some call it heaven. I simply call it an embrace with the divine mystery. It will feel strange and new and weird in the moment of transition. But then in a very short time it will be very familiar. Because we have been there before. Before we chose to be bored and put ourselves through a physical experience to learn love and compassion. I think it is as simple as that. Which brings me to the next question. Where and why are we? Answer. To learn unconditional love. To transcend the seduction of the physical life and embrace the light, even when we are disconnected from it by being born. Although, of course, the light is always with us, within. I want to play a short sample from episode 33, when I talked to Thomas Campbell, who thinks we are living inside a sort of virtual reality. This goes hand in hand with my own sentiments. I asked him if this virtual reality was hackable. This was his reply. I remember my, my son, when he was playing um, a, uh, uh, a game of, uh, what was it called? It was a Microsoft game where a Civilization, I think it was called. And uh, he played the Civilization game, and he found a hack where he could, uh, where everybody else was in the Stone Age, all of his competitors were in the Stone Age, he could uh, materialize a Mercedes-Benz with a nuclear uh, rocket launcher in it. And, of course, wipe out all of his competitors. 
well, that really wasn't very much fun after the first time or two you did it because it just ruins the game. If everybody's hacking and breaking the rules, then the game no longer has rules that you can count on, which means you have more, uh, you know, your game isn't consistent anymore. It's not something where the choices you make, actually, you're sure what kind of effect they're going to have. It's more chaos, and uh, that's not, chaos is never a really great learning situation. Chaos uh, makes it hard to learn, which is why we needed this virtual reality to begin with. So yes, there, you can hack, but it's, gonna, it's relegated mostly to the margins, because otherwise it ruins the uh, entropy reduction trainer and makes it not so effective anymore. We are here to learn love, compassion, and to transcend the seductive qualities of physical existence. This is how you beat the game. That is why we are here. But where is this here? Where is the universe? Scientists are aware that the universe is very big and the farther they see with their telescopes, the bigger it gets. I think this is because the universe just generates more of itself. This is that algorithm I mentioned again. If we could travel at the speed of light, we, we would never, never reach an end, because there is no end. If you ever played the video game Minecraft, you know that no matter how far you walk, you'll never reach the edge of the game, the edge of the map, because the game code just renders more space. Same with the universe. I'm sure most of you listening has seen The Matrix. Well, if you have not, there is a scene where Neo, the hero, is trying to bend a spoon with his mind and a kid advises him that it's not the spoon that bends but your mind and that in fact there is no spoon. While many people can understand the concept of there is no spoon, few people actually grasp it. It's kind of like understanding the size of the universe as opposed to grasping the size. Although the size of the universe is probably in relation to whatever size we can grasp which is an effect of fully grasping the concept that there is no universe. <laughs> Did you follow? The size of the universe is whatever size we can comprehend. And this is an effect of fully grasping the concept that there is no universe. That's right, we are somewhere in the one big nowhere. Something that is difficult to grasp now being alive, but when we die, we will get it very quickly, I think. It's like a dream, when you have a very vivid dream, when everything seems real. So real that when you wake up, you wonder if whatever happened had actually happened. Uh, this happened to me the other night, actually. I dreamt a friend of mine that is married found a lover and was cheating behind his wife's back. When I woke up, I asked my own wife if this had happened and she verified that I just had a dream. So if we allegorically speaking view the dream I had about the cheating friend as a physical existence, then where was the dream happening? Well, it was happening in my mind. That means if the universe is an algorithm created by the divine mystery, by God, and if this algorithm is basically God's dream, then the universe is located within the mind of God, within the mind of the divine mystery. Next question, and this one is pretty easy to answer. Are we alone in the universe? Answer? No. The techniques that were used were given to the ancient Egyptians by the gods. 
the Guardians of the Sky. Who were these Guardians of the Sky? Well, according to ancient astronaut theorists, they were flesh and blood extraterrestrials. Don't worry, I'm not going to turn this podcast into some ancient alien circus. Just a bit of fun. Although there is another answer. Perhaps we are alone. In the sense that this universe is the human experience sandbox. Regardless if we are alone or not in the universe, we are living within the mind of the divine mystery. So how alone can we, can we really be? Although perhaps it is God who is lonely. And that is why we exist. Only two questions left, and this is one of them. What is truth? Answer. Direct experience and love. On the small microcosmic scale of just being alive, the only truth that is certain is direct experience. Anything else is just static noise, in my humble opinion. On the large macrocosmic scale, the only truth is love. The final question is, uh, who am I? Answer? Alex. But to be serious, this question is not possible for me to answer unless I am speaking about myself. This one, you gotta find out for yourself. And in a way, I guess that goes for all the questions I've mentioned and answered. I'm actually not going to answer this one. Uh, Who am I? This is not the time and place. All I can say is that I try at all times to walk with the light. Do you feel like you have all the answers now? I hope at least this gave you something to think about. Please keep in mind that I call God the divine mystery because after all it is all a mystery. I know that I cannot know and that is true knowledge. But uh, this is a podcast after all and we got to have some fun. And it would be a pretty short episode if I just said I don't know. Currently, though, I try to live by the answers I've provided to these eternal questions that I'm always pondering about. And like I said, uh, this is not any dogma. This is just how I feel right now. And maybe in 10 years, I'll have different answers. But for now, these are the answers I can provide for me. Let's close this episode with the track Empyrean from the very recent album Maps by Nameless Archive. Go to namelessarchive.com if you want to hear more. All the relevant links will be posted in the program notes on naturalbornalchemist.com. I've also began to upload all the podcast episodes on YouTube, but I've cut out the music bits or the video will be flagged for copyright infringement, even though I, I have permission to use the songs I play. Anyway, if you like to hear this podcast through YouTube for some reason, go to naturalmonalchemist.com and click on the YouTube logo to be directed to the playlist. Also, like the Facebook page and follow the podcast on Twitter at Born Alchemist. And if you feel generous, you can also donate or give a very nice review on iTunes. Well, that's it. Uh... And uh, what do I always say 
right before an episode is finished. Answer? Freedom is in the mind.